If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. The numbers told the story they always do. It's one of those idiots who believe in analytics. This is a numbers game with Gil Alexander on VSIN. Second hour, we are presented by BetMGM. I'm Jonathan Rontobel filling in for Gil Alexander today. All right, hot topic. Who's more at fault, Kelly, in this whole situation? Saquon Barkley or the New York Giants? <laughs> the Giants! <laughs> it's, uh, it's very silly. Although I did see a couple things uh, that I thought were interesting on this. Like, this is broken. This market is broken. I, sure. I do get it. Like, it's messed up. Um, they just they need to change these contracts and how they're done. Like th- this is the fact that you can have a running back theoretically under team control for what seven years or something before they actually hit true true free agency is just wild if you stretch it out that far. Right. So I don't know. I don't know how initial five year deal back to back franchises back to back franchises. You're like yeah. peace. Yeah, see, see you later, man. We used you for everything you had. Yeah, I thought Adam Levitan had some good thoughts on this, actually. Of just, like, you need to shorten their contracts of when they come out, like rookie years, that sure. type of stuff. Um, I think that's something they really do need to consider. Well, and that's, I, that's your PA. Like, that's your Players Association. You've yep. got to get a PA that's going to help you out here. Uh, you see that what Kelly's referencing, if you're watching, shorten rookie running back contracts to two years. Allow them to hit free agency at a younger, uh, younger age with less mileage. Uh, all running back contracts have bonuses tied to usage. If you give a running back X amount of touches, he gets you Y dollars. Don't let them crush running back longevity without them getting money. I think that makes a lot of sense. Sure. So now let's see the PA actually fight for their guys. Exactly. The one part I've just kind of rolled my eyes at yesterday, those where you're, you're hearing all these running backs complain, and you're like, look, I get it. I do get it. But if we want to argue, you're, you're arguing the importance of your position. Who scores the most points in the NFL every year? It's the dang kickers. It's not like we pay the kickers anything. You know, sure. like everybody plays their role. And I understand that role is changing. But, man, I, it, it, hey, NFLPA, go to work. I mean, look, I will say if there was a year in which there were going to be running backs that were in these situations, that their, their, their leverage might increase as the season goes along, it would be Josh Jacobs. It would be Saquon Barkley. The backfield behind Josh Jacobs is not great. No. Saquon Barkley was the, the straw that stirred the drink last year for the New York Giants, and floating Daniel Jones out there all on his own uh, might not be great. So we'll see if that's going to happen. Are, but Are, uh, are you uh, with me on the – I know we have the Titans bets together with the fewest wins. Are you with me on the Raiders too? I think oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think th- this season could be a disaster. Oh, it could be, be an absolute nightmare. Yeah. I don't, like Their defense is not going to be good. Their, their pass rush is going to be solid, but their, their back-end defense is not going to be very good. I mean, and, the idea of this offense starting out the year with Jimmy G and no Josh Jacobs is... Oh, look, oof. that and the fact that if he goes down, 
the quarterback depth chart behind him is absolute garbage. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I guess Aiden O'Connell might come in and save the day. But <laughs> yeah. Don't think so. Win total for the Raiders, seven and a half. Uh, minus 450 favorite to miss the playoffs and the uh, long shot in the division at 12 to 1. Uh, speaking of um, long-term bets, futures, whatnot, I wanted to wrap up Mountain West really quickly and just note that one of the things that I was, when I was getting ready for this over the last few days and looking at some of these teams, uh, one of the win totals I'm going to have in my pocket, I've not gone to go bet this yet. I've shopped around to find the best one. Under on Wyoming is going to be the, the top win total for me in this division. You're looking at six shaded to the over at minus 120. Craig Bowles done a tremendous job almost every single year. He is one of those coaches that too will get the most out of the roster that he's got in front of him. But if you look at what Wyoming is going to bring to the table here, first off, quarterback play is going to be an absolute mess. Andrew Peasley is expected uh, to potentially be the guy uh, to lead this team Peasley committed 21 turnover worthy plays last year that's a 6.4 percent rate 10 touchdowns to nine interceptions PFF graded them as a 43.6 in terms of a PFF passing grade the offense misses a ton from a season ago I don't think this offense is going to be any good in any way shape or form they do get a lot back on defense think of the eight or nine guys coming back on defense and Bull's going to be able to get a lot out of that group but offensively I think there's an argument to be made that this is going to be the worst offense in the Mountain West and when you look at their schedule too Kelly I don't think it does them any favors you open up with a non-conference against Texas Tech you get to play host to Portland State you have to go to Texas then you have to host Appalachian State before taking on New Mexico of the conference big boys you get Fresno State you get Air Force you get Boise State those are going to be some pretty tough matchups two of those are going to be on the road and then of course coin flip spots at UNLV at Nevada to end the year to ask this team uh, to you know especially where it's shaded at minus 120 to say that it's more probable that they're going to go over six than under, I think is a mispricing there. I thought their win total should have been five, not six. So under, especially if you're getting a plus price there on Wyoming, the win total of the year. You have better, haven't bet yet. I'm looking around for okay. a better price. But if if uh, six, even money is going to be my best buy point because that's out there uh, at a local shop, then that's going to be the one for me. And then any other bets in this market? Outside of the two. So those are the three bets that, that I've either made or will make. Okay. So it's Fresno State and San Jose State to win the conference under on Wyoming. You know, we'll take it to the backyard really quickly. You know, Sean mentioned UNLV. I am very much surprised that UNLV is shaded to the over on five and a half to the degree to which they are, minus 150. You're breaking in a new defense. You have a new offensive system. Yes, you have some returning pieces. Tackles are big question marks for UNLV along the offensive line. And secondary play, like they revamped the entire secondary, UNLV, because this new defensive system is all about that secondary and the way that's going to play. And I'm just, I'm very surprised that essentially the market is this heavy on saying UNLV is going to be a bowl team this year. Like over minus 150 is going to be pretty interesting. I think that's a little strong. But that was, out of all of these, that's what stuck out the most was those two conference title plays and Wyoming to go under their win total uh, at six. And again, best price available at six, even money or better. Group five action here on a numbers game. I like it. So what group of five conference you pick? What do you want to do tomorrow? Conference USA. All right, Q said it is. I'm in. I like this. Actually, for a year, for like, I think it was like three straight years when we were doing our college football betting guides when I used to write for them. Um, I'm only an NBA guy now. And it would just be like, John, you have Mountain West and Conference USA. So, like, for three years, I was like really up on Conference USA uh, football for a while. That's kind of the reason why I just said that, too. Oh, really? <laughs> I was like, I feel like JVG's yeah. written a lot about Conference I have. USA. It was too. one of those. And in, and in college hoops, it was West Coast Conference and Mountain West. So, like, yeah, I was given those oddball conferences in both college football and basketball. So, yeah, I've got a weird. De- like depth of knowledge on Conference USA history over the last five years or so. So I'm totally down with this. Let's go Owls. Actually, I don't even know if they're in that conference anymore. I uh, really, literally no, don't I, even know. No. What, you talk about the Florida? Or FAU. No. FAU? Yeah. 
Uh, now you're confusing me. I'll double check. I believe they're in the American now, are they not? I think they did switch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you're right. <laughs> all saying, these teams did. Me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, all of them are pretty much. All right, with that, so it was a big week last week. Obviously, the Summer League was uh, front and center. We also got markets evolving and uh, being posted. And one of the markets that were hung up over at DraftKings were NBA win totals. So one of – look, I haven't found a spot. Did Caesars hang these up too? I can't remember. Who was it yes, that hung up win total? Yes, Caesars, right. yes, Caesars hung them up. So I got to go shopping around at Caesars because the win total at the top of the list for me is the highest win total both in the Western Conference and on the board. The Denver Nuggets at 54.5, shaded to the over at minus 120. Uh, give me every bit of the under for the Denver Nuggets coming into next season. It's not that the Nuggets are going to be bad. I think the Nuggets are very much in place to repeat as Western Conference champs and, of course, NBA Finals champions. The reason why I want every part of the Denver Nuggets, Kelly, is the way that I think they're going to approach this season. If you look at their depth chart, if you look at their bench, they're really young. And a good stretch of the season is going to be about cutting those kids' teeth and being like, look, guys, we're going to need you ready for the postseason. That means we're going to take some lumps. And I think asking that team with the makeup of their depth to win 55 or more games is a little much, especially when you look at the makeup of the West overall and you see some pretty good teams that could be some pretty good regular season squads. Nuggets under 54 and a half were with me, but these are the highest Western Conference win totals. You see the, the Nuggets at 54 and a half, the Suns at 51 and a half, the only two teams with win totals over 50. The Warriors are at 49 and a half. That's another interesting one. Uh, Lakers at 48 and a half. Grizzlies at 45 and a half, as are the Mavericks, and the Pelicans are at 43 and a half. Of these, what are these, seven teams, what sticks out to you the most? Um... Not a lot of interest here betting wise for me. It would be it would be Nuggets under and you know I'm a sucker for the Pelicans, so I'd probably still lean over on that one. But no bets here for me. I've made I've made a couple win total bets too. Actually, I don't think we've gone over on this show. So mm-hmm. well those are all out east though, I think that I've I made. think they are. Yeah, all out east. So yeah, I over here. Not a lot for me, but I know the Mavericks are a team that, that you're looking at possibly betting too, right? Uh, they're going to be a guilty pleasure. Yeah. I, I just, I kind of like what they did. I, yeah, no, I don't I hear you. I, I don't hate you. it. If you're talking about, look, Luka and Kyrie are going to be good on offense. They added Grant Williams, who's going to be a good defensive player. They have, I think, adequate depth, we'll call it. Josh Green, Seth Curry, among others. Like if Hardy actually starts to show what he did in summer league and all of a sudden you got another good piece on this roster, I, I don't think it's the worst roster ever assembled for sure. And in a Western conference that you might have some, you know, ability to move up, especially if like the Grizzlies are going to off to a slow start. All that, like the Warriors might not be that good. I think at least in comparison with where the win total and their odds are to win a title. I, I think there's a realistic chance that the Dallas Mavericks come in and turn some heads from a win, win standpoint. Can I ask you a question? If you're somebody who looks at the Phoenix Suns and goes 51 and a half over, would you not correlate that to, and again, it's not like 100% correlated. You're taking, a, if you're, I'll put it this way. If you're, betting the, if you're betting the Suns over on their win total, you're taking a flyer on Devin Booker to win MVP, aren't you? Oh, man. Um, Especially like the way that they've done this now, right? Where campaign's gone and it looks like they're going to go with like this, like multi ball handler lineup yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Devin Booker's going to be their point guard. Yeah, he really Devin is. Booker is going to be the lead guard who's starting their offense, initiating all that kind of stuff. That means more assists for Booker. That means some really good stat lines for Booker. I think he can actually like, yes, he's had some soft tissue injuries in the past few years, but like, I think he can last. He's played pretty well in the years in which Chris Paul went out. 
you're at least it's, it's there's a small correlation there. If they're going over, Devin Booker's going to have a chance at a win total. There is. NBC. I, I I agree with you. I think that he is the most important player on that team. Um, despite what did you catch what the Suns said about like Bradley Beal starting? I, I know, I know. They're t- they said they're Bradley I, I'm telling them. Start. I'm telling you're not doing that. I'm yeah, telling he's them start right at now. Point yeah. guard for training camp, but I'm with you. We've seen the Devin Booker like work at at, at ha- doing most of the ball handling. So uh, yes, yes, I think he's the most important player on that team this year. I don't know though that if the Suns are super successful. Everybody's going to go and agree on that. It's honestly a team I wouldn't make an MVP bet on at all. And I'd also, I'd very much stress in today's day and age with basketball, it's positions are just titles. Totally. Like he might be the starting point guard. The guy who's initiating the offense is going to be Devin Booker. Right. I mean, Giannis plays one through five every night. Every right. night. 100%. All right. We'll take our break. We have more to get to uh, with some of these win totals. We can get to the win totals that Kelly has. And then coming up in about 15 minutes, Mark Borchard is going to be with us as you look at today's card. Got to get his thoughts. You know, there's a pretty big underdog tonight that I was looking at the card. I was like, that seems a little high to me. So I took a shot on that. We'll see if Mark agrees. That's coming up in 15 here on the numbers game. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A numbers game on VSEN, the sports betting network. We all know about the speed of sound, but have you ever thought about the sounds of speeding? If you drive too fast, you could hear the sound of your vehicle crashing because one way or another, speeding catches up with you. Paid for by NHTSA. It is a number game here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Coming up in 15, as I mentioned, Mark Borchard's going to be with us. And in 30, Sia Najad, PGA, NFL analyst, sports line. Uh, very much looking forward to this uh, over the weekend coming up. And I'm glad we're going to be here. I mean, we're going to be on the air. Yeah. Near some of the rounds, are we not? Like some of these tea times, it's yep. great. Yeah, we will. Yeah, we'll be watching that Thursday, Friday, and then yeah, you, you and I will be on the air uh, back in studio together on Saturday too. That's right. So that'll be good. I'll tell you, man, your your favorite golfer. I'm on this week. Tommy. Oh, I didn't know he was your favorite golfer. 
I don't consider Hideki Matsuyama my favorite golfer anymore because I because I because I, I got there with him. You know oh, what I mean? oh, okay, okay. I got there with him, so now all of a sudden it's moving on. And I got to tell you, Tommy, look out. I got tickets on both, actually. Fleetwood, so. see? Not outright on Fleetwood, but I got a top 20 on him. Played really well the Scottish. Saturday, oh, he, he was awesome. What, yeah, he, he shoot a 63 on Saturday? I've been betting him a ton recently. Oh, I know. Yeah, he's been great. He's been great. De- Decky, though, I whoo, I thought those outright odds were a little too long. For well, what are they? Let me see. Oh, uh, there's like 70, 80 to one. He reopened at 100 to one at DraftKings yesterday morning. We were sitting here talking about that. I was like, whoa. Is that just like an anti-Lynx thing? Like, what is that? Uh, a little bit. I mean, he's been dealing with this neck thing the past, I don't know, six months now at this point. But um, I'm not really expecting it to be a huge factor. Uh, but, yeah, I, I actually I – actually, a lot of the stuff I was breaking down, he, he was spiking pretty high. I ended up betting him outright. I'm looking right now. See what this is at here. Yeah, he's like, you'll find him 70 to mm-hmm. 1. Down. Mm-hmm. That's a reference somebody will understand. 72 to 1, yeah. Okay, all right. There you go. <clears throat> Sorry, I just need a second. I'll put this in really quickly. You're right. I'm back in. Let's go, Mats. You're my guy. <laughs> well, that didn't take much. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right. So for, uh, one of the one of the first two tickets in on the Open Championship. Can't wait. This, like I said, this is my favorite one. I like the. Uh, I, I like. I don't know why. I think it has to do with my personal appeal, which is like I like you know like rainy days and like overcast and all that kind of stuff. So I think like tournaments like this, you know, when you get this, the Scottish Open, when it was kind of getting gloomy, but these, mm-hmm. I like these settings. I like. I like uh, Lynx Golf. I was looking over the course map last night. Oh, and, it's like the challenges yeah. in terms of some of those pot bunkers around the greens and how accurate you're going to have to be, the undulations of the greens. I, I like this kind of stuff, man. It's yeah. my jam. The, there's, uh, I, there's, yeah, you should definitely check out the course flyover stuff. We'll be doing a b- bunch of preview stuff in the next couple of days. Uh, we've got live long shots uh, today at 2 Eastern, 11 uh, Pacific time. Myself, Wes Reynolds, Ben Wilson filling in. Matt Brown uh, not here this week, so we'll be talking about that. Um, I know Matt's thoughts are on the, the podcast feed from last night. He and I recorded last night talking about a lot that we'll be previewing the next couple of days. But, yeah, for anybody that hasn't seen the whole flyovers, you got you got to go watch it because you're gonna see you're gonna see this out of bounds area that looks like basically a wall that's gonna be on six holes. That's mm-hmm. really really fascinating. And then on holes hole 17 is one of the coolest holes I feel like I've ever seen in my in my life. Yeah. I think they're calling it in an infinity green. So think about like what an infinity pool looks like. Same thing. You're, the green basically drops off a cliff on the back end of it, straight into the beach, into the ocean. So you, all you're seeing is ocean behind the green, and it's it's an awesome, awesome. What uh, what hole was that again? That's 17. It's the par three. So you're gonna finish. You're gonna finish with this short par three with oh, this yeah. infinity. Little eye. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Is that what the whole name's called? Yeah, Little Eye. Yeah. Um, and then 18, which is a par five that's like 610 yards or something ridiculous. It's going to be an amazing closing stretch. It's funny, too, because like when you look at this, this is becoming a, a faux open championship breakdown. When you look at like the course overall, you know, you would think like, all right, well, there's like, again, it's Link's Golf. Like, there's, there's not trees. You know, it's pretty wide open. Uh, pretty much everything looks pretty straight on. But some of the challenges that you're going to get here, like some of these areas where there, where a vast majority of these shots are going to land in the fairway, how tight these are going to be. My favorite hole when I was looking at it was 13. I think it's called the Alps. That okay. one's pretty interesting looking as well yeah, in terms of where good. the green's kind of hidden. huh? I like all the names. Yeah, yeah dude. It's, it's got awesome. these little mounds in front of the green, so they call it the Alps. Yes, yeah. I just I'm down with this. I am, I am down with what this uh, tournament's going to be. And I like pot bunkers. Those are great. Yeah. Those fo- are Awesome. If you land in the wrong spot, you get screwed over. I I, I think it's going to be awesome. My, my favorite whole name was the, was the punch bowl one because if you really look at it, 
it looks like it looks like a punch bowl in yep. theory because it's got these hills surrounding the green. But if you really look at it, you go closer. It's really uh, it's really like an inverted punch bowl because the green sits up and then there's runoff areas. In, that go basically into this valley in between where those big mounds are around it. Yep. So it's got it, it, I don't, there's there's some really cool holes we'll be geeking out over the yes. next couple days. So can't wait. We'll have more with Sia coming up in a little bit. Yep. Uh, with that, not like isn't Sia like a, a famous pop artist? No, not that Sia. We're gonna talk with Sia Dijon. Uh <laughs> See, yeah, I'm, I'm up to date on my cultural references. <laughs> um, anyway. We were talking NBA win totals. Let's set the scene. And for anybody who hadn't seen them yet, to, to wrap up like some of the Western Conference win totals that we do know about, um, the Kings at 43.5, as are the Timberwolves and the Thunder. I know you were disappointed with the Oklahoma City Thunder and how high that was. You are yeah. hoping maybe get a little bit less to go over there. Jazz at 35.5, Rockets. That might be one of the win totals. I bet 31.5, and, and then the Spurs at 30.5. And, and keep in mind, too, uh, we don't have every single team that is up. Los Angeles Clippers, Portland Trailblazers, Miami Heat, all of those teams that you would expect because they're in the midst of potential trade negotiations that could alter win totals and power ratings. Uh, they are not available, and these are all over at DraftKings. Uh, yeah, so, I'm a, the ahead. only one, the other one I'd hit on, I'm going to hit on here is just the, is is the Kings. I, I think they're. I, it's not one that I've bet yet. I'm not rushing to bet it. It's a it's a it's an over lean for me though, JVT. And I'm gonna I'm gonna wait on this number and see Ooh. how the market reacts here because I think what they did last year is in the regular season at least is pretty translatable to regular season success. That offense, I know the defense wasn't great, but we're concerned about defense when it gets to the playoffs. You keep running out that high tempo offense that they got. I, I don't, I don't really see a reason why I think they're going to have a, a big setback from what they did a year ago. My only rebuttal would be last year. They were, I think they were the, or the second, or they were up there. The most healthy team in the NBA. Sure, that is they true. They had yep. a ton of injury luck before it ran out when Darren Fox broke yeah. the tip of his shoot on his uh, index finger of uh, a shooting hand. So th- that was that was a team that had a ton of injury luck, and that I think would be the argument against it uh, in terms of you know running it back and essentially getting there. All right, Eastern Conference, uh, your highest win totals: Celtics at fifty three and a half. Uh, I think that's an underplay. We'll talk about that. Uh, Bucks at 52 and a half. The Cavaliers, the overplay for me here in this conference at 49 and a half. Love what they did. And with two teams at the top that I do think have some flaws, I think that there is room for the Cavaliers to win the one seed in the Eastern Conference. Again, maybe not be a one seed caliber team, uh, but much like, you know, the Miami Heat from a season ago, whatever it was, uh, a team that still has enough in its tank and depth in the regular season to win quite a few games. Knicks at 43 and a half. Hawks, 42 and a half. Bulls are 37 and a half. So you mentioned you had three win total bets here in the Eastern Conference. Who are they? Uh, Cavs over is one of them. Yep. Uh, that, that's what so I you're know. in agreement with me. Oh, yeah. yeah. I know we're completely agreed on that one. I, I think I'll be betting a lot of Cavs stuff. I, yeah, I think that it's um, – Maybe not division, but I'll go win total. And then, you know, depending on what – I think it's another one where I'll let this market, you know, kind of take shape as we get closer to the season. But to win an East bet, to win the NBA champ, uh, NBA title, I tend to want to win the East right now. I don't even know. This might actually be the time to jump in on them because the Heat are 4-1, to one, right? Yeah. right? Somehow they don't get Dame. Like, that odd, those odds are going to massively shift. Um 
But, yeah, I, I like the Cavs, man. I think with, with what you saw them do in the regular season last year, you had that shooting. You had uh, with Max Struess. You had uh, I, I, this team, is it, it got better, and you're still seeing a win total that's short of the amount of games that they won a year ago. So I, I'm going to go back to it, especially since I think there are some teams uh, in the East that are going to take a step back that we maybe thought were in that middle ground la- a year ago, and those are two I bet unders on, the Bulls and the, and the Raptors. Oh, and well, because they both have pieces that they could sell. Yes. That's the big part. Yeah. DeMar DeRozan, uh, Pascal Siakam are the top two candidates to get shipped at the deadline, both on expiring contracts on teams whose win total are under 40, who could be looking around and going, we just got to do something here. And, like, you know, we got to get something back. We don't really have a direction at this point right now. I don't know what the Bulls are doing. I, I did bet them under. I will I will admit, though, JVT, that, that bet is much – it's much less than what I bet on the Cavs and the Raptors because the the, the Vucevic resigning is just weird, mm-hmm. right? Like if if you, like I would think they're headed for a rebuild, but then they go and sign him to a three year sixty million dollar deal. Or I, I think that's what it was three year sixty million dollar deal. I don't really know what to make of it. And Zach, these Zach Levine rumors just keep floating around. They've been floating around for six months now, it feels like. And remember, too, it's not just Pascal Siakam. OG Ananobi is a player option for $19 million next season. Mm-hmm. He is surely going to decline that because he can make a lot more money on the open market. And if they're, they're staring in the face, think about that if you're Toronto. You could lose Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, and OG Ananobi yeah. for absolutely nothing. Yep. If you don't take the proper steps here and you talk about a team where you don't know what they're doing, I would argue that's the Toronto Raptors. Mm -hmm. If you're going to, if you have the potential to lose all three of those guys for absolutely nothing and be stuck with, look, I like, I like Grady Dick going back to that, but Grady Dick, Dennis Schroeder and Jakob Pertl along with Gary Trent Jr. And Scotty Barnes, like that's man, that's a, that's a team that is not really like strong in their direction. After letting Fred Van Vliet walk though, I'm actually more confident in them making the right decisions going forward because of that. And I think they are going to trade those pieces to make sure they get something. back. Hopefully you would think so. Also look out for future NBA cup champion, the Orlando magic. Yeah, there we go. All right. We'll take our break. Uh, When we come back, let's talk a little baseball. Mark Borchard's going to be with us. Uh, I mentioned the game, you know, pretty big underdog, Uh, the Phillies. They're about $2 favorites today against the Milwaukee Brewers, Aaron Nola's on the Hill. What am I missing? Borchard will have the answer when we come back. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. A reminder for you that the football season, it's here, man. And the college football betting guide is on its way. You're going to get previews and predictions for every Division One team. Best bets from the crew on futures and season win totals. I'll tell you this, my Wyoming stuff and you know, everything we're going to talk about this week is going to be in there. How to handicap using power ratings and more. Check it all out. Summer kickoff special, 175 bucks. It gets you everything we do through the Super Bowl. That's just not football content, folks. That's everything that Adam Buck, uh, Burke does in Major League Baseball. That's the NBA stuff uh, that is going to come up once the season gets closer. How about the FIBA World Cup coverage? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. The Basketball World Cup coming up in a couple of weeks. Hopefully, I'll be out there at a few practices. We'll have content there. Everything we do. Check it all out. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Let's welcome in our next guest today, Mark Borchard. And we'll be better at base winner up on Twitter. Nice enough to give us some time. Mark, it's good to talk to you, man. Haven't spoken to you for a while, but hope you're doing pretty well. I wanted to start with a game that kind of stuck out to me today. Uh, Milwaukee. 
at Philadelphia. I was somewhat surprised. Look, I know that the uh, Phillies are playing pretty good baseball. I think about it's 19 and eight in their last 27, something around there. Nola is a, a highly rated guy by the betting market, but was surprised to see a price of over, you know, minus $2 uh, on this Phillies team, especially, you know, Milwaukee. Tehran's a pretty solid pitcher. I took a small piece at plus 185 on the Milwaukee Brewers. I just thought the probability was a little low on the Brewers winning this game. What, what am I missing here? What am I looking at with this matchup? No, Jonathan, I'd have to agree with you on that. I, I've got it at minus 162 for the Phillies. You know, Nola's been pretty disappointing. I've got, I've only got him 5% better than an average pitcher. And, and Tehran's interesting. Uh, he's developed a cutter this year. So he's been effective, and he's but he's only has six starts. So for me, I had to downgrade him to just a bit below average. But even doing that, uh, I think that there's value the way you're going to take that play, uh, JVT. When you look at guys like Nola, like I think the way I've classified Nola, Mark, is that he's a guy who, like, if you look at his metrics, he is never quite the dude that his metrics paint him out to be, right? And and I think like you look at this year, you know, expect the fielding independent of 384, but the ERA is at about 4.4. He's given a four more earned runs in each of his last or in four of his last six starts. What's been going on with Nola? How come he's never really been like a guy that some of the metrics would paint as like a dominant pitcher, but it's never really taken form? Well, I liked him last year. Uh, JVT, but, but what I look at, and they're pretty simple metrics. I, I think sometimes these advanced metrics get a little bit over complex, but mm-hmm. if you look at the strikeout percentage, walk percentage and ground ball rate, I mean, that's a really good place to start when you're evaluating pitchers. And I mean, you look at his, look at his median strikeout percentage, Nola's that is it's 23%. So just a little bit above league average, his, his walk percentage is at 8%, the median last 17 games. And then his ground ball, which is league average. And then his ground ball percentage is below league average. So I'm looking at an average pitcher, uh, at least over his last 17 games, which I think is a decent time frame to, to look at JVT. All right, let's move on to a couple of other games that that's, uh, caught me. Uh, first of which is I wanted to go with Seattle and Minnesota. So when Brian Wu came up and made his debut, I was like, you know what? I have, I'm going to play the angle here against Texas. First time starter. You haven't seen him. Uh, you know, maybe they're going to be a little surprised by it and they're not going to know what to do. Well, they knocked him around. But since then, uh, Wu has been really solid for the most part. If you look at it, two earned runs or fewer in each start since getting knocked around Texas in his debut. What have you made of Brian Wu up to this point and his start here against Minnesota and over? Yeah, well, this game's a, a game I'm going to play the under on, and 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 Wu, aside being make, making one think of of Ric Flair, mm-hmm. uh, he's 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 really wooed uh, so far from a from a stat standpoint. Uh, you look at at his uh, his median strikeouts at home, eight strikeouts and just half a walk. If you could have a half a walk, but you mm-hmm. can when you're doing median, and uh, that's that's really good. That's like a 68% run suppression number. So you you got to think, well, am I going to use that? Is that true? And 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 even if you say, and I know that the ATC projections uh, for Wu were were better than average. So even if you say, okay, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna regress it with a league average 100, which is which is what I do. He's still 25% better than than league average. So. Uh, for me, I've got 5.2 runs projected. It's super low. Uh, Mike Muchlinski is, is somewhat of an under umpire, so that helps out. You've got your park factors in Seattle helping you out for the under. And from a pricing standpoint, I would agree with you. Uh, I've got it at minus 154, so I think it is pretty affordable, Jonathan, at, uh, at minus 122. 
All right, last specific game uh, before we get to anything else that's on your radar too that at least I had my eye on here. Uh, I don't think there's any you know any question about this. Uh, my Angels uh, in the limelight more more than often, only because Shohei Otani is playing, and the question is whether or not they're going to trade him. And all of these games matter for them because they are clinging on to life. Big win for them yesterday. Today it's going to be Patrick Sandoval versus Domingo Herman. Yankees are small favorites on the road here. Herman, ever since getting just slaughtered in those two appearances, it was Boston and Seattle. His last three outings have been really, really good for the Yankees, and Sandoval has bounced back pretty nicely from a seven-earning performance against the White Sox. What do we make of the Yankees, who have been scuffling a little bit here on the road against the Angels as road favorites? Yeah, it's a tough game for me. I've got it priced at Angels minus 105, which is uh, right where it is in the market. One of the things I was looking at was the over here. We do have an uh, under umpire, so I'm going to pass on the over. But I can tell you this, JVT, the Angels, uh, to be the men, they've got to beat the Mon today. Woo! <laughs> Going back to the Ric Flair reference. Yeah. So I don't know. I wouldn't. I wouldn't play it personally. I think it's a. I think it's a pass for me. Okay. All right. Uh, with that, any other games on the board that you want to take note of for our audience before we move on to some bigger topics? I think there's. I think that. Well, we talked about the under in Seattle, yep. and I. Th- I think this Padres Blue Jays game is a steal. Playing the first five. Um, I mean, Musgrove's just been dynamite. All his numbers are good uh, over the last his last five starts, and then Manoa. No, he was horrible to yeah. to start the the year off, and they, they he had a good start versus Detroit, but uh, his numbers at home are, aren't aren't nearly as close to to his numbers on the road. And I don't know, for me, Manoa's always been a guy that's that's kind of a little bit better than league average at at his ceiling, and I think we could get floor here. And I think I think Musgrove's, I mean, he he's showing great command over his last five starts. Uh, he's been tremendous. I think that that offensively, I, I like the Padres lineup better than than the Blue Jays. So for me, uh, I think laying minus one thirty five first five makes a lot of sense here. So big picture, because we have an interesting series that's going down in the American League at the start of this week. Texas comes back last night, wins on a walk-off wild pitch against the Rays. Uh, we know that these were two teams that were red hot out of the gate. The Rays more so than the Rangers. Uh, Rangers and Rays, though, both out of the uh, start of this, or excuse me, end of the first half mark, were kind of like limping into the all-star break. Well, the Rangers have come out and played really good baseball since. Uh, the Rays, of course, losing this first matchup here. But big picture for both of these teams, which one do you think has more staying power as you move forward in this season? Is it the Rays or the Rangers? Well, it depends on what they do with the trade deadline, but I can tell you that I've got, I've got 96 projected wins for Tampa Bay and I've got 88 for Texas. So for me, I think Tampa Bay, at least the way they're made up right now from a component standpoint uh, is, is a better team. So we tied this in at the start of the show with the American League Cy Young. McClanahan goes out yesterday, solid performance, two and runs, six innings. I think he struck out six. But I was making the argument, Mark, that the, like these American League pitchers for the Cy Young are all performing so well that you can make the argument a performance like that almost knocks Shane McClanahan because the rest of these dudes around him are pitching so well. How do you think the American League Cy Young shakes out? Because I think it's different from the National League in that the National League, for a while, I think had a flawed favorite at the top and Gallon, which you can get to. But the American League's got four guys who are freaking awesome. How do you make a difference between these guys? Well, I look at the strikeout rate and then I've got a, on my side, I've got base winner ERA. So if you look at that, uh, the guy that's on top base winner ERA is Gaussman. He's at 2.55 and then Glasnow's right behind him at 2.57. So, so for me, it's, it's one of those two guys. And I guess it just depends on where, where they're at in the market. 
Uh, I, I like Gaussman. I've played him a lot over the last couple of years and he just gets the right strikeouts. He's got a splitter that when he's got that going, you can't hit it. You just can't. I mean, they, they, they cannot distinguish the batters uh, when he throws that splitter. And it's, it's, it's a really deadly pitch, if you will. So for me, I, w- I would say Gaussman. Okay. Nationally, we'll get you ahead of you on this, Mark. Last 90 seconds. Zach Allen finally falls from the fa- the favorite role over the weekend. Spencer Strider is now your favorite at plus 210. Uh, what do we do in this? Because Blake Snell has been rising. Kershaw had a great, has a great portfolio, but he is injured. Is this Strider's thing to lose? Or are we looking a little bit deeper in the National League? Yeah, you make a good point with Snell, uh, Jonathan, but I think it is Strider's. Uh, for me, it's it's a personal thing. I, I had him earlier in the season, or actually before the season, at nine to one. So I'm kind of watching, hoping that he does it. But you just look at his as strikeout percentage, and and it's there. You look at his one loss, uh, eleven and three, uh, and that's really good too. And I think that's one of the things I, I did an AI study a couple years ago, and and you got to look at wins losses, you got to look at strikeouts. So for me, it's Spencer Strider. Mark, it's good to talk to you, man. Really appreciate it. Basewinner.com at Basewinner on Twitter. Uh, hope you're doing well, man. Thanks a lot for your time. Yeah, my pleasure. You're doing a good job filling in for the voice of sports betting. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Again, at Basewinner uh, on Twitter and Basewinner.com. Yeah, I can't wait to see how this National League awards. I, I mean, look, because I'm not the best at handicapping uh, baseball award markets. I still think a guy like Stroman should have more of a shot than 20 to one. Um, but we'll see if that's going to be anything that can, he can drag himself up. And I'll, I always say, when I bring this up, man, kudos to the guy who's over there at, uh, at sharp money. Cause I know Dustin and them all back when he was like 22 to one, we're all over Snell. Like, Hey man, this runs real. And uh, sure enough. Yep. He's up to cool. plus five fifty. All right, we'll take our break. When we come back, let's get a little bit more on the open championship. Sian Najad is going to be with us next analyst for Sportsline. get his selections for the upcoming tournament across the pond. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. A numbers game on VSIN, the sports betting network. 
BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points. They can redeem for online bonus credits like bonus bets and bet insurance tokens. If you're planning a trip to Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining shows and hotel rooms in over 20 MGM Resorts properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM again says, <coughs> excuse me, reminds you to play responsibly and hailed some of my uh, saliva. We don't know Eligibility restrictions apply. BetMGM and Game Sense reminds you to play responsibly. Offer resources up and make appropriate choices. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Got to be 21 years of age or older to wager new and existing customer offer. All promotions subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as not withdrawable bonus bets. They expire seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Last 10 minutes here on a numbers game. Jonathan Von Tobel filling in for Gil Alexander. Let's welcome in our next guest, a man who looks very regal and I don't think has ever inhaled his saliva and uh, coughed at all. See you in the Jad of Sportsline. See what's going on. Huh? Look at that. Hey, see? You're, you're too handsome to pull stuff like that, huh? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, let's 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 talk about something uh, big picture about Royal Liverpool before we get into uh, some of the golfers you have. Uh, when we were talking about the course itself and the way that it looks, uh, what do you see with your eyes when you evaluate the course overall? And what does that lead to in terms of some of the parameters and qualities in a golfer that you want going into this week? Well, nice to be with you, JVT and Kelly, as usual. I, I like, uh, you know, I I'm looking at a lot of the global stuff. You know, weighted tee to green, I think, is really going to be important here. It's going to be a tee to green test. I tend to bake my around the green play into weighted tee to green, which really means I'm taking a little less of an emphasis on the around the green play because for me, historically, I think it's a little bit more random than most. With all of that said, I do think you need to be good around the green. Putting, I'm not real. It's not a huge emphasis for me. I think being accurate off the tee is going to be pretty important, but being long is good too. So I'm looking at total driving. I'm looking at approach play, particularly with some of the longer iron proximities. And then again, I'm looking at some of the global stuff like weighted tee to green. So let me ask you, I'll, I'll ask you and then I'll ask you, Kelly, differentiate for me because I like analytics a lot, but I haven't gotten into the minutia of golf analytics. The difference between strokes gained approach strokes gained around the green. Okay, so approach is going to be your shot into the green. So okay. let's say it's a par four and you, you hit it off the tee. Your next shot is going to be a shot on approach. Now let's assume that approach shot was errant and you are you didn't land it on the green. So you didn't hit the green in regulation. Let's say it's a few feet off of the green into the fringe or, or the rough. Now you're chipping. Most likely you're chipping to the hole. That's going to be around the green play right there. Okay, got and it. And then the numbers that you're seeing are all against the field too, right? So it's stroked gained versus what the field Got it. did. Yes. All right. See, I like that. This mm -hmm. why I, I like to learn. I like to ask yeah. questions. I don't know. All right. So then let's, let's, let's talk about then that leads you to uh, which golfers. I know you've got four outright. So walk us through the four guys that you've got. Yeah, I'll start with Brooks Kepka. I mean, he's just one of those guys like we we've always talked about him as sort of a major killer and he doesn't really care about the 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 normal events. I mean, this guy really is a major killer. He won the PGA Championship, T2 at the Masters and T20 or top 20. I think he was 17th at the US Open. And by the way, he's playing well on the live tour. I mean, it sort of begs the question. I have him at 20 to one. Um, I got it earlier this, this week. I mean, 18 to one is still a good number. If he was on the PGA tour and if live didn't exist, what do we think this number would have been given what we know about Brooks Kepka so far? I honestly think this could be 10 to one. 12 to one at worst. So I think we're still getting a really good deal on an excellent golfer that if he was on the PGA tour, we might be talking about him in the same breath as Scotty Scheffler, Roy McElroy, and John Rahm. I think it's a, I, I want to follow up on that real quick. I think that's an interesting point. Uh, Sia, cause yes, we don't have the, 
We don't have some of the recent form to be able to look at as closely. We don't get the same strokes gain uh, stats on live as we do on PGA. So it's hard for guys like you and I to break that stuff down. But I think from just a betting market standpoint, JVT, what Sia just hit on there is really big because we've seen those numbers. He was nine. You know, I had a 99 to one ticket on him at the Masters, right? He goes out there, has, has a good performance. And what do we see the odds do? He goes off in the PGA at like, what was that, 15 to one or mm-hmm. something like that? Mm-hmm. And then we just don't see him for a little while. And he's back in this 20, mid 20s range to bet on. So I think that's a good point right there, Sia. Yeah, and the the other three to round out my outright card, and I had some trouble with the third one, but the second one is Terrell Hatton at at 25 to 1. I mean, listen, Terrell Hatton is just one of those guys that continues to gain across the board, including last week. You just mentioned, JVT, the strokes gain metrics. He literally gained across the board last week, around the green, with the putter, with the approach play, and off the tee, and he does that on a very regular basis. That complete test, that, like, you know, all the tools in the bag, if you will. That's what Terrell Hatton is. And the ball striking has been very good for him as well. I think he's due to win and it could be this weekend. The other two, Colin Moore Cow at plus 3,500. I kind of teetered between him and Dustin Johnson. It was, it was one of the two there. I went with Colin Moore Cow because I, I am seeing some glimmers of upside with the putter and with the ball striking. His last time out, the ball striking was pretty great. So I think from a value standpoint, 35 to one is pretty great. And then finally, Wyndham Clark. I've been on this guy all year. It's paid off. He's 60 to one, really not getting the respect in the market. I think he's just fine for this course. Ball striking should be okay. Off the tee should be great. And it's the short game that has always been really good for Wyndham Clark. Around the green, putter, he can get it done. So I think 60 to 1 is way too long. It probably should be in the 40-ish to 1 range. All right, let's talk about your matchups. We'll, we'll tie in Hatton because you have a Hatton over Tommy Fleetwood. Fleetwood was going to be one of the outrights that I was going to include here only because played really well last week at the Scottish Open. It was just a couple days ago last week. Uh, so played well there. And, of course, uh, we know, of course, like – I think he would be a pretty good golfer suited for a course like this. Why play Hatton over Tommy Fleetwood? Am I wrong in thinking to include Fleetwood in some of my outrights? You're not wrong at all. This is not a fade of Fleetwood. It's really just taking Hatton here across as many markets as I can. So for me, Terrell Hatton is just a little bit better, a little bit more consistent, particularly with the ball striking uh, than Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood's great, and he could do great, and he could win this tournament. But we have seen some moments over his last five or six tournaments where he hasn't necessarily been as good with the ball striking, with the approach play specifically, as Terrell Hatton. As far as the putter is concerned, Fleetwood's a great putter. But Hatton actually edges him out there, too. He's been really Hatton's been really hot with the putter. So for me, I feel like I'm getting... Terrell Hatton at, at good value, minus 120 over Tommy Fleetwood. But I got to admit, from a range of outcome standpoint, Tommy Fleetwood could win this tournament. Just for me, I think Terrell Hatton wins the tournament more times and beats Tommy Fleetwood more times out of 100. Hey, let's go to the other matchups that you got. We'll start with Scotty Scheffler over Rory McIlroy. McIlroy, of course, coming off of that performance at the Scottish and gets the top 10 machine, Scotty Scheffler, in this matchup. You're going Scheffler. Yeah, I'm going Scheffler, and I'll keep this one short. Scheffler's just a better golfer than Roy McIlroy, and, and I think we're getting a good price. First of all, Roy McIlroy might be a better fit, I'll, I'll admit, at, at the Open Championship than Scotty Scheffler, but Scotty Scheffler has been an absolute machine tee to green, and he outclasses everybody, including Roy McIlroy, in that department. Now, the putter's a different story. Roy's been better there, but I think we're getting some value here. If we just take away the Scottish Open, and I know that's really easy for me to say, but it's Scotty Scheffler we're talking about. I think he's really justifiably like a minus 135 favorite against anybody, including Rory McIlroy. So I think we're getting a little bit of value here because everybody wants to play Rory and we're seeing that in the market. So I'll take Scotty there. And then finally, I've got Siwoo Kim minus 135 over Sahit Thigala. Sahit Thigala, I like him. Everybody likes him, but he's been really inconsistent. Off the tee, he's been downright bad. 
Uh, on approach, he's been very inconsistent. And Siwoo Kim, on the other hand, has been very consistent. He did lose seven strokes somehow at the Travelers with the putter. That's not great. But if you look at the ball striking, he is absolutely dominating with the ball striking. He's generally pretty good with the putter in the short game. So again, range of outcomes really like Siwoo Kim here, minus 135 over Sahil. And we're going to get to the first round leaders, but really quickly, um, he is Scotty Scheffler, minus 140 to finish in the top 10. Are we reaching a point where now these prices are getting a little too high on him to finish in the top 10? I mean, yeah, yeah, kind of, because I think we sort of missed the boat a little bit, and this is a packed field, so minus 140. I mean, I, I would really like that at, like, minus 110. I don't really dabble into the top 10 market too much. I'm more like top 30, top 40 guy. I wouldn't take it at minus 140, but listen, I'm not going to argue with anybody who wants to. Kelly, your eyes got really small because you were smiling so big. Uh, uh, let me know when it doesn't hit. No, the, 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 yeah, exactly. the, the yeah. price minus, one, <laughs> minus 140 for a top 10 before the tournament is pretty absurd, crazy. Yes. This is pretty crazy. All right, see, we'll get you out of here last 90. Walk us through your first round leaders. Yeah, let's start with uh, Ricky Fowler at 35 to one. Listen, you could take him as an outright too. I, I just think he's really dialed in. I think he's a very good course fit. So I'll go Ricky there. Tommy Fleetwood, your guy. I have questions about whether Tommy Fleetwood could close, can close. I mean, we've yep. seen it over the last, I should say this, the last like two or three months where he's been in position and is kind of wilted. That happens to a lot of people. It's really not a knock on Tommy Fleetwood, but because he's going to be comfortable at the open championship, I expect round one to actually be pretty good with him. And we know he can spike for any round, whether that's round one, two, or three, not necessarily four, but uh, I think Tommy Fleetwood is great. Shane Lowry, speaking of spiking, Shane Lowry can get it done. He incredibly lost a ton ball striking last week, but was really good with the short game. Good news there. He's always great with the ball striking. That was an anomaly. If the short game is the same as it was at the Scottish Open, he can absolutely maybe win, but certainly spike in round one. And the last ones, Taylor Gooch, a relative unknown, but he's been excellent on live. So I'm happy to take that at 65 to one as a first round leader. And then finally, this dude is dialed in at 100 to one. I'll take a long shot on Sepp Strzok. He's doing everything right. He can't win this tournament but he can certainly spike for a round. Hopefully it's the first one. You can find Sia again over on Sportsline. Sia Najad, S-I-A-N-E-J-A-D. Sia, it's always good to talk to you, man. Thank you very much for the time. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. All right, we're all done. How about that? This show went by quick, huh? Vsin.com. You can find out uh, everything we have to offer. And, of course, the podcasts that are up there if you missed out on any part of this show. Talk tomorrow here on The Number Kick. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.